Y Group invites all AEC industry leaders to the 2024 AEC Small Business and Entrepreneurship Forum, the premier event for small firms in the AEC sector. Experience innovative strategies and insights on May 21st, crafted by Zweig Group's industry experts. Engage in keynotes and interactive sessions focused on recruitment, retention, and business growth. Join Zweig Group for this unique networking opportunity and take your business to new heights. Secure your spot today and be part of the AEC industry's future. Visit ZweigGroup.com for more information. The Zweig Group team looks forward to welcoming you. Welcome to the Zweig Letter Podcast putting architectural, engineering, planning, and environmental consulting advice and guidance in your ear. Zweig Group's team of experts have spent more than three decades elevating the industry by helping AEP and environmental consulting firms thrive. And these podcasts deliver invaluable management, industry, client, marketing, and HR advice directly to you free of charge. The Zweig Letter Podcasts, elevating the design industry one episode at a time. Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm excited to be with you today. I've got a good friend of mine. It's it's not often that you can count somebody a friend and somebody that you connect with, but I met, met this gentleman several years ago while working at Zui Group, and Blake and one of his colleagues came to a principal's academy that we were doing, and we became fast friends and uh, have been friends ever since. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Blake Calvert to the Zui Glitter podcast. Blake, this is actually your second time on the podcast. Is that right? No, it's actually my my first time. There's been a couple of times we've talked about it, but this right. is my first time That's... to cross the finish line. So okay. I apologize yeah. for that. <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's good. I mean, it's, it's, the best time is right now, right? The next best mm. time is is five minutes from now. So, we, you know, it's no big deal. We finally got you. I'm glad that you decided to join us and I really appreciate it. You guys are at Core Civil are based up in the Denver area. I hope the weather's doing well for you, but I would love for you just to tell our audience a little bit about yourself. And, and as we like to say, I'd love to learn a little bit about your superhero origin story. How did you get to Core Civil? Because I know you, you've had an interesting arc in your career. Yeah, where do I start? I mean, I don't know. I, I look back, I've, I've lived in Denver for 25 years. I've, I've worked at many good firms, learned a lot. All of them were good stepping stones and to learn about how businesses structure their teams and and ultimately, it comes down to the people. But over the years, I obviously, when you've worked at different places and, and kind of taken an approach to be a lifelong learner, you start to kind of figure out what you think is your best path. And that's ultimately what, what led me to want to be able to form core with my partners is to, to do something a little bit different, to kind of get back to the basics of what we really enjoy. And, that, and then really to kind of simplify the business component of it, you get Good people with good projects, good clients, and and make sure you have a lot of fun. I firmly believe good things can happen if you've got the the right value system and everything. And so ultimately, that's what we put together, starting in 2013, launched in 2014, and and just now 
time's flown by. We've been in business for seven years and and started off with again um, seven people, and now start. I think tomorrow will be seventy three people. And so it's life's been a blur. It's been fun. It's been a lot of hard work, and and man, I've just learned a ton. I thought I was prepared, but then now I kind of know it's it's just another jumping or stepping stone and jumping point that you you just got to keep learning and just just roll with the changes. Yeah. No, and I love that, and I and I love the fact that I, I didn't mention this, but it's it's actually core consultants. It used to be core civil. Is that correct? Initially started out primarily as a civil firm, but yes, we've okay. early on, even in the first year, we expanded into doing land surveying, and then we brought in a a group of biologists and and natural resource scientists and everything to really expand into the energy markets, primarily renewables. And it seems like the energy market, I was just before we jumped on this podcast, I was scarfing down my lunch before our meeting and I was watching CNBC and all they were talking about is the energy play and where that's going. And I mean, the sky is ultimately the limit in that in the renewable energy, the energy space. So there, there obviously you saw something that was worth pursuing and you guys have decided to not so much bet the farm, but you put some resources behind the efforts in that area. Would that be correct? Absolutely. I mean, my background's been, you know, primarily all within the the private land development, real estate development. I love that area. It's it's essentially who I am. But in starting core, we wanted to build a foundation of a business that was built to sustain through the the good times and the bad. And we all learned a lot. When I first got into the industry, coming out of Texas Tech was another kind of bad time in the economy in the late 80s, early 90s. And again, there were some challenges there. I was kind of learned a lot early in my career about how that recovery goes. And then when an 08, 09 hit, learned that firms need to be focused and, and to work on diversify. And sometimes the typical things that are the component for diversification aren't just jumping into land planning, landscape architecture, or just, you know, kind of doing more of the same, just diversifying within your expertise. And so in starting core, we really wanted to tie to a totally different market because we thought that obviously some markets are hot and some markets are down, but at any given time that they might be offsetting each other if one market is down. And so what's been good for core is that energy's been up and and development's been up and public infrastructure's been up all at the same time, right when we started the company. And so it's been key to getting our revenue diversified. And at some point, some of our revenue has been anywhere from a third to 50% energy clients. And these are national clients. So we're working not just in Colorado, but even out of state too. So we're tied to more regional and national economies. So for a firm our size, being able to compete with some very big firms, I mean, it's been a really significant opportunity for us. Yeah. And I would admit, because I, you know, God, when I hear you say 73, I remember when you guys were like 40 or something like that. I mean, it's much smaller. I mean, you guys have grown almost overnight just in the the seven, seven, almost eight years of, of time in existence. What do you think is the biggest challenge that you face with that type of growth? And also with the fact that, you know, you're focusing in, in all these different areas. Do you find it's a manpower issue or just more not enough time in the day to get what you need to get done. I think it's I think it's a little bit of both. I'd say I mean Colorado and Denver is definitely a, a hot market and lots of competition here in the Denver metro area. So I mean I guess I'd lean towards that it's it's really, you know, manpower, woman power, person power, 
needs is we can't find enough talent in our market. And so we have gone through some cycles with the company where we've shot up significantly. It's been effortless to grow, effortless to bring on new work and great people. But then you do go through some cycles that you kind of plateau a little bit. And then we have some good recruiting successes and then it just accelerates it again and then it accelerates it again. But I think that's the key thing is even more recently beyond just the people standpoint is when you're growing that fast, it's hard to get them under one roof. And so we we had to move into a new office that we went through last year during COVID, which was fun. But I do see that we'll have a lot better platform and foundation for core to grow probably at a more steady rate in the future. And and we've even wondered this year if we're going to be, are we going to be over 100 this year? Do we want to be over 100? I mean, certainly in our economy here in Denver, we think we could be that, but it has to be good growth, smart growth uh, that within our value system and within the strategic plan of the company. Yeah. And it's almost like they're, you know, for you, and I think a lot of people listening to this, a lot of design firm leaders that are in the same position that not only are tapping into the resources in their own backyard, but have expanded their offerings and their reach on a national level, you have to take that into consideration too, right? You know everything that's going on in Denver, but you don't necessarily know everything that's going on around the country, even though you are involved in a lot of new projects and opportunities that exist out there. So it's almost, you see, it seems like it would be very difficult to plan for what the future is going to hold, right? And you and to make sure that you're not ramping up too much and then you have too many people and then you've got to cut back because it's so much, it's hard to cut people, I know. And, and with any design firm, because you just never know what's around the corner. Correct. I mean, that core starting from scratch, It's a, as I've learned, I had an appreciation of what it was like working at various firms where you come in and and you're part of the team and and really the kind of the the systems in place. You're just trying to make it better and improve every day. That's kind of what's been overwhelming in starting a firm from scratch is, yes, we had client relationships from our previous work history and everything. But when you start it with a firm and you're like, what do you want to do? Well, if we're going to do it, let's do it how we want to do it in the right way. And and then you learn pretty quickly that you get overwhelmed and you can't solve and fix everything at once. You have to prioritize. And, and especially when clients are really knocking at your door to do work, you have to really start to think about what kind of projects do we want to take on? We don't want to just take on everything, but you know, we all know what is a good formula for clients, You know, ones that you have a long-term relationship with, mutual respect, your business plans kind of align, and you have a common purpose that you want to work with. I mean, more often than not, we found that in this new platform of Core, that's happening a lot more than we even anticipated. And so, the evolution has been a lot of drinking by the fire hose early on and slow, constant refinements. But getting to a scalable point has been difficult. And it's just something I think every startup firm goes through is it was almost effortless to grow to 20 to 30 people. But trying to take it to the next level of the next 10 and the next 10 and the next 10 gets harder and harder and harder. And you got to have the right people to do that. And you got to be communicating well. And then you got to start putting in the the systems and the structure in place to make it work. We don't have it all figured out, but what's been unique about 2020, regardless of COVID, is we went ahead and kept pushing through for all these refinements. And I think it's really going to set the stage for, for good, steady growth and opportunity for years to come to sustain the firm through any economy. We'll take some lumps, but we've never had a layoff. 
We actually hired 19 people since March of last year, and we're still finding good people that want to come on board that are making amazing contributions. And I don't know sometimes how we keep it up, but it, it, <laughs> it keeps working. So we keep going. Yeah. And I think, you know, the thing that I've noticed about you is that you're a very hands-on leader, but I think what you have found is kind of like a happy place where you can lead, but you can also pass some things off to other people. I mean, you've hired several key individuals within core in the last year. I know you hired your, your HR manager and some other people that have really been a huge benefit to you. I mean, as a leader and being able to help you kind of rise above the 15 or 10,000 foot level of focus on the company to that 25, 30, 40,000 foot level where you can really start to put your fingerprint on where you want to take this company. That be fair to say? Correct. I mean, that's where my role has really been. I kind of call it, I'm the mad scientist, I think, kind of behind a lot of what CORE does. Uh, my other partners play a very valuable role. They're more outwardly focused and really developing a lot of our business development and long-term relationship for the work we do. And over the past seven years, they've been definitely involved in the operations of the business. But we, as we started to get a certain size, we started to learn and, and even got consulting from Zweig and, and doing some of our own internal studies that there's some level of that you're going to plateau at if you're not bringing on enough talent at an operations level. And sometimes, again, a principal, an owner in the firm is not the best person to do that role. And that, that even goes for myself too. You certainly have to have a lot of passion and drive to do that. But I fully recognize we as principals sometimes create the most chaos within the firm. And a lot of times it's to a detriment. Uh, we mean well, but you've got to get the right people in place. And so really starting about three years ago, as part of our strategic plan, we said, we've got to bring on more operations people. We need full-time HR support. And then seeking out these people that needs to be someone that's you know, really hungry. They really buy into our culture. And then they want to potentially grow and maybe even aspire to be a shareholder in the firm someday too. So uh, really getting the right people and getting them aligned has definitely started to accelerate. But restructuring all this definitely certainly takes a lot of time and effort too, just to get to that point. Yeah. And, you know, I've obviously had the benefit of doing some trainings with your team and you've got our young, vibrant group of design professionals that are hungry. I mean, they were hungry to learn when we did our leadership training with your team. And, you know, I just, I mean, between you and the rest of your lead and the rest of the principals in the company, it's interesting to see that dynamic and how you're shepherding this next generation of design firm professionals. With regard to that, what would you say is the biggest challenge in keeping these guys and gals engaged and kind of with their eye on the prize for what you're trying to do at core? I think in knowing from past firms' experience, I mean, there's pluses and minuses of, of about asking for tons of feedback from everyone and trying to be as transparent as possible. But when you create that kind of level of transparency that you want to have everyone on the ship being able to give you feedback. And sometimes it can be brutal feedback too. They start to kind of buy in and start to feel ownership. And what my philosophy has always been is we, and again, this is Mark Zweig says it every week in his newsletters that were, when he writes says you want to kind of create that entrepreneurial mindset. And so that's really been our focus is we don't have everything figured out. I have my career experiences, but I may not do it the best, but the, the more that we can bring the entire team in to try and solve these problems 
and try to create solutions, people start to get buy-in and they want to do more and get more heavily involved. And we think that that's been really key to our success about building a good team around us. What we're going through right now is we have to make sure everyone, when you look at kind of the concepts from good to great, that it's got to be, you obviously want everyone on the bus, but it's got to be right person, right seat too. And so you got to look at those components. And But I think more and more, as long as you're a growing firm, there's plenty of places for people to go and move up to and expand their opportunities in their career. Yeah. And I know you spend a fair amount of time on personal development for yourself. And I know that that also trickles down to everybody else in the company. Would you talk just about, do you guys have a set plan in place for how you develop, especially your younger people as a design professional? Training, training, training. Always got to invest. I mean, I think that's what I've learned over the years that firms do not spend enough time, whether it's And you have to do it multiple levels. You have to give the employees the ability to kind of create their own path of their education and training and not just make it so prescriptive. But then firms need to be supportive into having a consistent and reoccurring training program to constantly, you know, give their employees what they need. However, I can tell you this is something core hasn't done well all the time. I mean, again, it's hard to cover all those bases, especially when you're just developing your your HR platform and your your kind of back office administration, administrative support and everything. It's hard to do all that at once. So that's why we've looked at doing it internally, externally through various consultants. And then anytime that anyone comes to me and says, hey, uh, there's something I would like to attend and, and then they can prove out to me why this is a positive for core and their career and, and how it will make an impact on them. Pretty much 10 times out of 10, I'm like, you better get your butt there and Core is going to be a contributor to pay for that financially. But, yeah. but again, it's that level of refinement. We don't have this perfect like tuition reimbursement program that it's got to be this or that. That's really just people kind of seeking out what they want to learn about it. And if we can figure out a way that that's going to contribute to their career or maybe give them the, a tool they need five steps from now, more than likely, we're going to want to invest in that time and not focus so much on utilization and billable time. You can become a lot better employee and person and team member if you're developing all these life skills that help you and make you more confident. And so that's a big part of it is just continuing on with that education process. Yeah, I love that. I'm curious to know, based on what you just said, what do you felt like you got developed properly when you first got into this industry? Or was it a bit of a challenge for you to, to ask for and get that personal development that you probably craved at the time? A lot of both. I worked at some firms that were, I thought, very good at doing that and developing people and were definitely more employee forward companies. Some of those have had a substantial impact on my career to where I am today. And we've, you know, that's the best compliment is we've copied a lot of their philosophies to kind of bring in the same aspects here to core and develop that as our own. But then I've worked at a lot of firms where it was it was like completely silent. And it's, you know, you're just showing up to work every day, kind of feeling like you're on your your own little island, not much mentoring, really just not a good pool of people just to even if whether it's a formal mentoring program, you just gotta surround yourself with people that can help you learn at all levels, at the bottom and at the top. And all those can provide that perfect formula of how you can succeed in your career. And I've been at some firms where that was just non existent. People were just kind of closed-minded and just didn't want to share. Or maybe when you'd go ask a question, 
they'd answer the very technical question, but their mindset wasn't that when people are asking questions, that's a good thing. And so you have to kind of maybe go a little bit further in the method and explaining and to always come back to the vision of, of why you're doing something and why this is a better design rather than just do it this way or do it that way. Yeah. A lot of times, unless it's just one individual that's doing that, it speaks to the culture of a place. And if the culture isn't forthcoming and outgoing where people, like everyone from one principle to the next, it's almost like they give you the bear hug of information and the bear hug of, of all that they've learned and what's made them who they are today. If you don't get that in a design firm, you're missing out. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's that's what I love about my role now. And I think where it's going to transition more in the future is I view myself as certainly there to kind of set the tone of the culture and to be a leader. But I feel like it's my duty as a principal and in my position to basically be guiding and developing all the people that join CORE and helping them not only then their position at CORE and stepping them through all the knowledge and things that we all have crammed in our brain, probably so much to an extent that people want me to, to shut up about it too. But uh, we have, a, as we go through our careers, we've got a lot of knowledge. So I certainly feel like being that teacher and constantly developing, I do recognize that maybe some people at CORE may not work here their entire career. I'd certainly want to hope that they see CORE as a long-term opportunity that, that maybe they could end their career as I will here. But uh, at the same time, if they do decide to move on to get a different life experience or uh, something changes in their family that they need to move, I have to do my part to help get them to be the best person that they are and the best technical engineer, biologist, scientist, land surveyor that they can be, and that we've at least enhanced this portion of their career and then they can move on. Man, we need to rewind that back and play that again, because I think a lot of design (laughs) firm leaders need to hear that because a lot of times it's, um, you know, people tend, what I've seen in this industry working in it for over two decades is that a lot of times people want to hold on to things for dear life, but some things are only meant to be for a season and some can be for a lifetime. And I always hear people, I always hear firm leaders and principals saying, yeah, we want to hire this person. We want them to stay here for forever. That may happen. It may not. But I think that while those individuals are under your charge, it's incumbent upon you to continue to mold and develop the best design professional that you can. Because not only will you benefit from it for the time that they're with you, but the world will benefit from it based on their skill set and experience. Absolutely. And then what we found is some of these people that we connect with, we've had some people move on, but more often than not, these really key people that we really liked have been a boomerang to come right back around. They, they needed to make this change to make sure that whether it's a personal reason or a professional reason, and that they've decided going, man, I, I didn't realize what I had in core and I want to come back to the firm because it's that special sauce they're not feeling at other firms. Again, we don't do everything perfect and we're trying to scale this stuff up, but I firmly believe it has to start, that mentality has to start from the top. And then certainly you bring in policies and a structure of the company and positions that can help manage that and lead the effort from an HR standpoint. But if, if the leadership of the company doesn't believe that, you're not going to be able to put that into motion and do it well as a firm. And so yeah. you have to create that as the foundation of your culture to make it work well. Yeah. You know, and I know, I know the last time we spoke, we talked a little bit about it and, and I know that you've 
been able to either you've had some talent leave, but then they went other places. And I think they're still working with core, but talk about how the pandemic has changed the thinking with regard to where people are located that work for the company. And what will that look like in the future for you guys? Yeah, the the pandemic and everything that happened last year was, you know, yes, it's been very tough on all of us. Some of us significantly more impacted than others. I mean, we've definitely been blessed to to be where we are right now, but I look at it as a, you know, what what have we learned too? Uh, the experience. If we go through a world pandemic and all the struggles that's going on in our country right now and the inequities that's going on, rather than going in the negativity, what's been the positives of how to move forward? And when I relate that to core is, yes, it was a strain on our system, but I firmly believe just like many firms did, you implemented new technology, you had to get everyone out of the office, but you can't just stop there and say, okay, we did it. Now it's over. Everybody come right back. It's going to be those firms that take what they learned starting in March of last year and now in March of this year that how do they apply that knowledge that they learned during the pandemic and take it to the next level. And so I started thinking, we've all gone to where will office be in the future? And I think we'll get back to some happy ground with office space, but I do think there's going to be significantly more flexibility. And I know there will be a core that we're going to allow significantly more remote working opportunities and even push some people to more exclusively work remote. And we know now that it can be done efficiently and it can be done well and it can work within clients' expectations and clients' budgets. We just weren't pushed to that level before. There's very much a mentality of you got to be in the office. You gotta you can't be on a an electronic Zoom call and that that it can go well or the clients won't expect it. I it's now the norm. And so I think this is going to be part of our model moving forward. As far as the people you mentioned, yes, we've shortly right before COVID started, we had two people that because of personal reasons needed to move out of state. And once we started working so well remotely, I kind of thought to myself, we really liked these people. Why did we let them go? Why didn't we figure out a a technology solution to have them stay on at core and to make it work for them? So we ended up calling them back. and learned that they missed core. And sure enough, when we said, hey, if we could bring you on full time and allow you to work in a remote capacity, and then when things get better, start to rotate in you into the office just to still get that in-person personal connection, they were on board and, and they rejoined us last year and early this year. So it's been great to have these key individuals because I think they're going to have a lot of opportunity for future leadership in the company. So that's even that's even better when you know it's these key people you need to bring back. And they want now they're even more sold on you know what's special at core because they experienced something different over the last few months and year. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love hearing that. And I, you know, I mean, there were some firms that before this all happened kind of figured that out and realized that, well, I work in a tough industry. It's hard to get good talent. And if good talent leaves just because of a a life situation, uh, you know, maybe I need to figure out how I can make it so that they can continue working here. And, uh, you know, I just got a call the other day from a young man that works in, in civil engineering and, uh, I won't get into the area that he works in, but very, very talented young man under his thirties wants to relocate out of the Midwest and go back to the East coast. And, you know, I got to tell you, he, he's one of those guys like in Glenn, Glary, Glenn Ross, Alec Baldwin's character, always be closing coffee is for closers. Mm. He's that kind of engineer, that kind of design professional. 
if I was a leader at, at his firm, I would hate to lose him. As a matter of fact, I would say, hey, whatever it takes, wherever you need to go, let's figure it out. And if nothing else, maybe we need to consider opening up an office where you go and we can figure out how to make it work. Because if nothing else, we have seen that in this time, day and age with the pandemic, that a lot of people are getting a ton of work done, a ton of meetings and a ton of other things that are happening without people ever physically seeing each other. And that's the thing I think that this pandemic has brought out. It's brought out new technology, even though, you know, that technology sometimes fails like it did when we originally started this podcast. But that's a whole nother story. The bottom line is that it's there for the taking in terms of us being willing to embrace that and just being willing to embrace change. But the design industry has been one loathe to change as a whole, design professionals, design firm leaders. And so that's the challenge that we're faced with. But I think I think there's some going to be some tremendous opportunities as, as we move forward to really, you know, take advantage of this situation. And as I've been calling it, take advantage of what what is going to be known as the pandemic pivot. When businesses start doing things differently than what they did prior to the pandemic because of the situation that arose out of the pandemic. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't. That's what I realized that fairly early in my career that I felt like I was a I don't know, kind of the anti-engineer engineer. I've always felt a little bit different because there's a lot of things about our industry that just absolutely drives me nuts. And just the forward thinking and embracing new technologies and thinking about reworking it, you know, reworking the wheel. Why does it drives me nuts that we have to do things just because it's the way it's always been done. We always need to strive to do more. It, it probably drives a lot of the people I work with nuts because I'm always like, thinking and trying to re-strategize different ways to do things. But those firms, I think, that embrace that kind of mentality, it's, it doesn't take much in our industry to kind of stand out. But that's how I feel like at core, we're going to try to be at the leading edge is to look at new technologies, start doing things earlier than our competitors. I mean, you just have to look at a few other industries, whether it's in, you know, in the tech industries, you know, about just how they're using software platforms and web-based platforms just to see where things are headed. And the architecture and engineering and construction industry is a decade or two behind and embracing a lot of that stuff. I mean, everybody talks about Microsoft Teams now at the dinner table, but frankly, I wanted to start using it years ago. And it finally took the push of what happened last year to finally get us there. And we've been better off as a firm for now having new communication platforms and, and better organized systems that now we'll have for the future. Yeah, no, I mean, it's absolutely right. I mean, you have to, when you're in the midst of that storm, you have to kind of brace, embrace things for what they are and just, you know, continue to move forward. So I love what you just shared there. So thank you for that. So I do have a couple of questions for you. What, what are you hoping to accomplish or achieve when we get on the other side of this? With the understanding that Things are not going to always be the same, but there are going to be some new job opportunities out there, some new work that will come your way as a firm. What do you kind of see in the future for, for CORE? I think, I mean, Denver's economy is, is pretty hot right now. and It's been like that for, for years, though. I mean, for well, at least the last few years. Every time I go up there, it's like housing is it's like a housing boom and things just continue to grow. I've got a friend in Boulder and he just talks about how hard it is to find really good real estate there. So I, I can only imagine that things are going up. And a lot of people are relocating to Colorado. That's key. I mean, that, that's a unique kind of little personal statistic that I never could appreciate 
how many people would just reach out and find us doing a Google search. People have really kind of changed how they want work to fit in within their lives in the last 10 years. And I think a lot of people reevaluated their lives during the last major recession. And I know I personally did about what I what kind of balance I wanted to get personally and professionally out of it. And then I think with the pandemic, what's really going to change is people are going to even say, you know, why do I go to this job? Why do I live in this part of the country? If life is too short, why don't I go and live somewhere that I love or, or gives me these unique experiences? And certainly the pandemic has told us outside natural environments, people have become very attached to those because of how much we've had to spend inside. And, and that's basically creating a ripple effect for people wanting to come to Colorado, whether to visit, to stay in the summertime, wintertime. But then, yes, a lot of people are moving here. I guess my concern is since we're definitely tied to the housing and real estate industry is just that can create a lot of opportunity, but ac- acceleration of the housing prices. And there's in Denver, there's a complete lack of diversity in housing right now that is very inequitable across the board. And so you look at how cities and certain other parts of the country have dealt with it. It becomes a real challenge, I think, long term until there's some kind of major correction in the market. And so that's why Core has to keep diversifying is while we're definitely a big player in the real estate and development side, we can't just hedge our bets that housing is always going to be big in Denver. We have to look outside and, and look at other markets. I, I think if we could get more infrastructure spending at a state, local, and even federal level, that investment for infrastructure in our country at every level would be huge for this country just to start to propel firms like ours to have you know long-term sustained growth. Because if we invest in the backbone stuff, we know that that's going to end up trickling down to all of us in our individual neighborhoods too, and create a good fabric for uh, good job creation and growth and uh, uh, for the future. Yeah. It's almost like it's all intertwined together. You know, <laughs> it's like, you know, we, you need this to have that. And so I think it's definitely, um, you know, an important focus. I mean, we're seeing the same issues here in Fayetteville, Arkansas. They, they're talking about the lack of uh, housing. What are they going to do? And, and of course, you know, they're not used to building a lot of multifamily dwellings here because everybody wants a single family home. But at some point in time, because of the way this place is set up, you're going to have to expand. And probably the only way to do it is the density of building projects where you'll start building more stuff where things are not necessarily on top of each other, but you know, that's just kind of the way that things will go in the marketplace, just because that's all that's available and everybody's going to want to be as close to the city center as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we all know at certain stages in life, yes, a single family home is very appealing and having that space, but it's not a one size fits all for everyone. I think we've got to have all kinds of housing types because even where I am in my personal stage of life, I can see that and not much longer. Do I need all this space? Do I want something that's more lock and leave? Do I want that yard? So I, I think, uh, you know, we'll, we all need to be able to step through different stages of life and have lots of different housing options, whether it's at, at market rate or even at a more affordable rate too. Oh, it's going to be interesting to see, to see what the future holds. That's for sure. So I would love as we wind this up and, and I really appreciate you taking the time that you have to kind of share with us. So you mentioned good to great. Are there any other books that you've read lately that have really like personally helped you move the needle forward in what you're doing, both on a personal level, but also on a professional level? 
Good to Great is definitely one. I'm actually rereading it right now. I had read it a few years ago. I can't remember exactly in what time frame, but for, for I guess what I'm personally struggling with at core and what I want to focus on for the company. Certainly Good to Great was, I think, written in the early 2000s, but a lot of its message and kind of the the statistics that it presents and that are just common in every business are relevant to this day. It yeah. doesn't swap out the name of the company and it's very relevant to how these companies got there and the methodologies and and what it takes. And so that one that's definitely resonating with me right now. Another one tied to that is what I've been spending a lot of time with is uh, this book by Gino Wickman called uh, Traction, which again, is it's about organizational structure and taking kind of the good to great philosophies and starting to put it more into an action plan and a structure for a business to help you scale. And so that one, I actually got introduced to at, a, I think, a seminar about three years ago. And it really starts to create a structure again about getting people rowing in the right direction, the right people on the bus, and again, right person, right seat. And so it, it really tries to step you through how to get there. And so that's another one. Pretty much those, because I'm living it right now, are really consuming. I kind of want to branch out and do something a little bit more for pleasure, but that's kind of what uh, is on my docket right now. Yeah, no, uh, you know, definitely uh, throw some some fiction in there from time to time, and that kind of helps balance everything out. So a good fiction book will really, uh, really do you well. So, but no, Good to Great is an excellent book. I know it's not one of Mark Zweig's personal favorites, but I've always thought it was a decent book. Jim Collins is amazing. He's got a lot of information out there. Was I was going through my period of just studying certain things in the library. I was looking at what he's written and just, I mean, he's pretty sharp. So he's really sharp. Yeah, I think I look at all these as, again, I don't take them verbatim exactly, but I think, again, they're just, they're good information to get, to get the wheels turning. And that's what I really look for is to really give me an opportunity to learn something, analyze it, and then start to say, okay, how do I personalize that information to relate to my my struggles and core struggles uh, just to be a, a better leader and to be a better company? And so that's kind of what I view all of these books as a reference point, not to necessarily be totally copied, but just there as part of the the learning path. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, like they say, it takes a village and I say it takes a lot of books to become the leader that you ultimately want to be. Books and people. I think it's a combination of the two, right? So, mm-hmm. but man, I appreciate you sharing. You know, I got to say this, just a, a big shout out to Core. I know when when we hung out in, uh, I want to say it was Aspen, and you and Dave were convincing me to get out in the morning and go running up in the mountains, which was exciting, by the way. But, and then I learned that you just have a ton of like hardcore athletes and people that work out at a whole nother level at core. You got some like ultra marathoners and some other people that really do some crazy stuff. And even Dave, Dave is out there doing some amazing things. So I appreciate the encouragement that you provided (laughs) during my time in, uh, in Colorado. That was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, I was going to say, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's fun. Uh, we definitely have a lot of people that are pretty hardcore that's part of, again, part of what we embrace at CORE is just to get people outside and just to enjoy the, the wonderful state we live in. We do like to poke fun of the Flatlanders when they come visit sometimes, especially up in <laughs> Aspen, because uh, when you want to get out and get some exercise, you can feel the elevation pretty quick. But uh, yeah, that was a good yeah. trip. And uh, 
uh, Dave and I even got into mountain biking during that trip of getting up right. early in the morning and going for rides. So it was, yeah, it was yeah. a good time. No, that, yeah. Cause I even said the next time I go to Aspen, I'm going to bring my bike. Cause that would be, I'd love to do, I, I'm a, I'm an avid cyclist. I don't mountain bike a lot, but I'm a cyclist and I ride quite a bit, about 75 miles a week. And I would love to get up there and ride up in some of those mountains. They're not hills, they're mountains. And and I know some of those switchbacks and everything would be uh, quite invigorating to say the least. So going down is always easier than going up. That's for sure. <laughs> it, and then when you're in Colorado, you can be going down really fast. Uh, <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So, <laughs> so you got to make yeah. sure you don't hit uh, hit something on the bike path or in the road that uh, oh, yeah. sends you for a tumble. It would not be good for business for sure. Well, listen, Blake, if anybody listening to this that's either looking to get into the the market up in Colorado or, you know, wondering what it was like there, maybe you're positioning the firm to get into the energy marketplace. What's the best way for somebody to reach out and connect with you to maybe grab a call or something? Well, we uh, are, I think our best method would be, I mean, we, we've, we're getting ready to launch an all new website. Uh, they can certainly contact us through that. Uh, Right now, it's corecivil.com, but we're rebranding to liveyourcore.com to really kind of get away from, again, the, the technical expertise. It's more about core as a brand and everything. And they could certainly contact us through that, but then they could certainly reach out through LinkedIn, type in my name, Blake Calvert, and core pretty much. I, I know I'm probably one of the first hits that you get that pops up. I always respond and use LinkedIn heavily. And then uh, also, they could certainly reach out to me through my email too that you can post in the notes. So okay. uh, yeah. I'm always happy to meet anyone. And as if they're wanting to learn about the Denver market or even just get connected with people just to tell them what I know and uh, help them out. And, and who knows, maybe at some point, uh, if it's the right fit, we'll be working together either as someone at core or as an employee at core, or maybe as a, as a, in a partnership arrangement through another project or something like that. Happy to help people that, uh, want to know more about the region and uh, and to help them uh, learn about more about companies in the Denver market. Yeah. Well, that word in my mind is collaboration and there's so much room for that to happen in the design industry space. So folks, if you, you heard Blake, if you're looking to get up in that market or just want to learn something, I mean, he's just a good dude anyway, but you should reach out to him. We'll make sure we put all of the contact information for Core Civil, soon to be liveyourcore.com in the show notes, as well as a link to Blake on LinkedIn so that you can connect with him, send him a message, and and hopefully you guys can catch up. And you can just mention and say, I heard your amazing interview on the Zweig Letter podcast and uh, just take it from there. And then you can send me a thank you note later. So <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> so, but no, seriously, Blake, thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast, for being a friend of Zweig Group, being a friend of mine. You know, you supported a cancer ride that I did last year, which I really appreciated. I, I think I've told you that before, but just appreciate you. And, and uh, you know, with people like you in the design industry, it really makes it fun to work with the design, with design leaders and design professionals. So thank you very much for coming on the podcast. You're welcome. My yeah, pleasure. I appreciate it. So, well, there you have it, folks. Blake Calvert, CEO and president of Core Civil, soon to be Live Your Core. I want to uh, encourage you guys to check him out and we'll make sure that you get all that information in the show notes. Please learn more about one of the oldest newsletters in the design industry by visiting thezweigletter.com. You can read articles online. You can listen to this podcast and sign up for a free subscription 
to the newsletter and have it delivered right into your email inbox every Monday morning. Sign up today. For more info about Zwei Group's advisory services or any of Zwei Group's publications, visit zweiggroup.com. You can subscribe to the Zweig Letter podcast wherever you listen to it on Android or iOS devices. And please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and we'll see you soon. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to the Zweig Letter podcast. We hope that you can be part of elevating the industry and that you can apply our advice and information to your daily professional life. For a free digital subscription to The Zweig Letter, please visit thezweigletter.com slash subscribe to gain more wisdom and inspiration in addition to information about leadership, finance, HR, and marketing your firm. Subscribe today.